Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loyer, your host. It's amazing how things work in the church and in the work that we do for the church. I received a marvelous little note from one of our very faithful listeners, Jean Bray from Tahuya, Washington. Jean wrote me this little card because she heard on our program here that I was going to be giving a talk on October 2nd at a local parish here in the Chicago area. And Jean wrote to me a little card saying that she was praying for me that the talk went well. Well, lo and behold, the very next morning after I gave the talk, I found Jean's letter on my desk. I opened it up and found that message from her. Well, Jean, I have to tell you, you'll be happy to know because of your prayer, I think the talk went very well. And the reason I know this is because a number of people wanted to have a copy of my talk. It was videotaped, and so they were interested in it. So it must have gone well enough. And I want to thank you for your prayers and for your thoughtfulness. And it's just amazing to me how we are all connected in the church and in the work of the Lord, especially through this medium of radio. So I want to thank all of you for listening. I want to thank you, Gene, for praying and for listening. If anyone else wants to write to me, I'd be more than happy to receive your good letters, your good, kind, and honest expressions of things. Whatever it is you want to say to me or ask me, I appreciate it. You can write to me at my parish address, which is on our website, byzantinecatholic.com, or you can email me at taborlife at earthlink.net, taborlife at earthlink.net. Yes, there's many beautiful things about the church, many beautiful things, and the church will, from time to time, go through times that seem to be not so beautiful, rather ugly, a time of crisis. And that is actually a time to be even more hopeful, even more committed to the church, to our faith. I know that many people are reeling because of some of the scandals that are being exposed and coming out in the church, especially in the media lately. Many people feel a little lost, a little confused, disenchanted, scandalized angry. They have all kinds of emotions. Many people are kind of running scared or just sort of lost, sort of befuddled. They're like in a fog. They don't really know where to 
where to land, what to grab onto. They feel that the church has maybe let them down or disappeared or betrayed them or been pulled out from underneath them. I want everyone to take heart because, as you know, the cross, the cross is at the center of our faith, east and west. And the cross is that sign that tells us that what is during darkness, there is actually at the same time light. This is actually a great day in the church because the great day for purification, for renewal, for returning to our original charism of the church, our original soul. You know, sometimes we deviate and God will use times of crisis to call us back. And I really think that's maybe what's happening now. And we have to reach into the riches of both lungs of the church. And as an Eastern Catholic, I would like to offer some of the riches of my own church, the Eastern Catholic churches, that might be beneficial right now to our church that seems to be in crisis. Remember, crisis is never so foreign to the church. It's nothing new. There may be a new style, new type of crisis, but basically these crises, they do happen in the history of the church, both East and West from time to time. And as I mentioned, they are calls for renewal, but we need to help each other. We need to dig into our riches and to see what it is that maybe we're being called back to. And When it comes to the spirituality of the Eastern churches, I'd like to offer three riches in particular that might be helpful for the church today, a church in crisis. And when I offer these things, I don't mean to imply that the Eastern churches are somehow exempt from what the whole church is going through right now. The Eastern churches, well, you know, we certainly have had our problems in these same areas too. It's just that right now it is the Latin Rite Church, the Roman Catholic Church, that is more front and center in the media. And by the way, that's actually another reason to take heart. That's actually a backhanded compliment because, let's face it, in the eyes of the world, the Roman Catholic Church is the big fish. It is the conscience of the world. It's the one source where the world can get a definitive statement about what is right and what is wrong, about God's blueprint, about how we're supposed to live, what God is trying to tell us, what he's trying to call us to, what he's done for us. There is one definitive source that can articulate that, and that is the Roman Catholic Church. And so evil is going to want to go after that with a vengeance. So whenever there is times of crisis in the church, take it also as a backhanded compliment that the devil's working very hard. And let's face it, no church, no organization, no person, no family, no marriage, no corporation, no entity on this earth is exempt from pain, suffering, sin, scandal. No one is totally exempt. We're all sinners. And corporately, we bring sinfulness to different organizations, different entities, whether it's the church, the workplace, the family, marriage. So nobody is exempt. However, it is the Catholic Church that gets put up front and center, gets mounted on the cross before the whole world. And its sinfulness, its failures are exposed. We are excoriated more than anybody else. Why is that? Because we're worse than everybody else? No, the opposite. Because the church is so holy and it is the conscience of the world. It is the standard. So evil is going to work very hard to knock that standard down, to destroy that conscience of the world, to destroy what is holy. So let's talk about healing Let's talk about what we can do to heal and grow from this, because this is what this is all about. It's a call to healing and growth. The first thing I want to look at in terms of gifts from the Eastern churches that could help a church in crisis is the sense of liturgy. Pope Benedict XVI said, and rightly so, 
that things are going correct at the altar, they'll go correct in the rest of the church. See, the altar, what happens there is the confluence of all of the life of the church. Liturgy, the Mass, informs life, and life informs a liturgy. In other words, by, by informing, I mean that things flow in and out of that center. Our lives are influenced. Our lives are given the vision, the blueprint from the liturgy. Liturgy is the context for all that is gloriously human and divine. It's in the liturgy. So we have to be very, very careful about what we do or don't do about liturgy. It's best not to tamper with liturgy very much. The Eastern churches are very, very liturgical church. Liturgy is like our center. It's the grounding. It is so in both lungs of the church, East and West, but in particular, it is in the East. Many people will ask me, well, did your Byzantine church undergo the kind of changes in the liturgy that our Latin Rite church did after Vatican II? And my response is actually twofold. Some of the changes in the Latin Rite Church were not because of Vatican II. They were never directed by Vatican II. They were just things that happened. And Pope Benedict XVI wants to wanted, and Pope Benedict XVI wanted to correct those things. Secondly, no, the changes that influenced the Byzantine, the Eastern churches from Vatican II, were actually very, very helpful to us. They called us back to a greater and greater authenticity about our liturgy. And so the Eastern churches have been very grounded in their liturgy, and that is what grounds us. That's the meeting point. Let's face it. That's the meeting point of the Christian community. That's where we have the Eucharist, the source and summit of our existence, which gives us not only the body of Christ, but the whole context for God's relationship with us for our relationship with each other, for life itself, for the mystery of the incarnation, the mystery of the Trinity. Everything, everything comes together at the intersection of the liturgy. So the liturgy must be done correctly. And by that I mean the most time-honored and consistent orientation of the liturgy, as we do in most Eastern churches today, is to face east, in Latin rite, they call that ad orientum, so that we are all facing that transcendent God. We are all en route to that God. We, the bride, as church, we are bride, and we face the altar, we face the sanctuary in anticipation of the coming of the bridegroom Christ, which will occur in a great mystical marriage on the nuptial bed of the altar in the sanctuary. Now, that orientation of liturgy is time-honored, and it provides for us so much, so much of the blueprint of life, of God's plan for us. It's right there in the fundamental orientation of liturgy. When we return, we're going to talk more about the riches of the Eastern Church that can help a church in crisis. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion, and to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. It's no secret that Father Loya and other speakers from the Tabor Life Institute 
are available to speak at your parish or group on marriage and family topics seen through the lens of St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body. Other topics include Eastern Christian spirituality and the significance of art in the church. The Tabor Life Institute can arrange for marriage encounters, parish missions, and can help your parish facilitate teen faith formation in either English or Spanish. For Father Loya and other speakers, contact the Tabor Life Institute by writing to taborlife at earthlink.net. That's Tabor spelled T-A-B-O-R, life, at earthlink.net. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. You are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the Sacred Liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. 60491 and may God grant you Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. We're presenting a few gifts from the Eastern churches that might help a church in crisis today. And as I mentioned, take heart. Times of crisis may be difficult or dark, but they actually have a great light within them, just like the cross. It's something like when you go for surgery. Now, no one likes getting surgery. You know, we get cut, we get a scar, we have pain, we have therapy. That part certainly is not pleasant. Neither was Christ's suffering on the cross. But at the same time, we're joyful because the surgery means we're going to have something corrected. We're going to be better. Same thing with the cross. The ugliness of the cross was also a platform for our redemption, for the light shining in the darkness. Same thing with the church today. The darkness that we're going through, the confusion we seem to be going through with the scandals and so on, are an opportunity for light to shine brighter, a back-ended compliment about the holiness of the church and how it is the target of the devil, that one thing he wants to destroy most. So he puts it up. He mounts us on the cross. But remember, as we look upon Christ on the cross, yes, we see suffering, but ultimately we are seeing triumph. So I mentioned liturgy as one of the gifts, the right orientation of liturgy. And there are many people, seminarians, priests, bishops, in the Latin rite today, who are celebrating the Mass, the Tridentine Mass, the Latin Mass, and also the Mass ad Orienta, in other words, facing the east, facing the altar. And as Pope Benedict XVI said, this is actually a very important, in a sense, reform of the so-called reform. 
because this is the correct orientation and it gives us the correct order of things. It gives us the sense of hierarchy, of things greater than ourselves, of the transcendence of God, but at the same time, his imminence. Liturgy is a thing that gives us the context for all of life, the right ordering of things. And it gives us the context of where our place is in relation to God. Let's face it, a lot of the scandals in the church are because, basically, we've, we've sort of thumbed our nose at the church and things greater than we are, at commitments and vows and of chastity. We basically thumbed our nose at the church, thinking that it is archaic or out of touch, or things have been so relaxed that we don't do this or that anymore, and almost laugh, laugh at what the church used to be. In the liturgy, we find that our place before God is one of great deference, great humility. And the liturgy helps us to feel that, experience that in a very palpable way. That's why the church had different zones in the liturgy and in the architecture of the church based upon the Old Testament, where God himself designed the temple. God himself instructed us how we were to worship him. And he had certain zones, sections of the temple, one being holier than all the others, called the sanctuary, the holy of holies. And this is what was in the Old Testament temple. And again, it was picked up by the Christian church, the Catholic church, East and West. The sanctuary set apart where only the priests, the ordained ministers, would enter. Harkens back to the Old Testament temple, where only the high priests entered beyond the veil but once a year for the holiest of reasons to offer sacrifice on behalf of himself and the people. So there is a sense of this is where you belong, this is where that person belongs. There is a sense of that. And we've lost a lot of that in our day and age with this false sense of equality. Equality does not mean sameness. It does not mean that everybody can be where everybody else is. We have to know our place. And knowing that, yes, it takes humility, but it also is good for us. If we live according to the order of things, God's order, as it is revealed in the liturgy of the church, if we follow that order, it benefits us. It's good for us. What we want or what we think we can change or do without or discard, it may be something we want or we think we know better, but it is not good for us. We have to defer to something that is time-honored, to a sacred tradition, to how things were always done in the church. The second thing is, as St. John Paul II said in his great document, Orient Hive Lumen, which means Light of the East, where we get the name of our radio program here, Light of the East, he said in there that Monasticism is the reference point for all of the baptized. The reference point. In other words, monasticism is the standard for Christianity. We all have to be good monks, even if we're married. Because what does this mean? And it's a very, very strong character, charism of the Eastern churches. In fact, the Eastern churches gave the world monasticism. Monasticism is about wanting to cut through all that is, seems to be excessive or all that seems to be a little bit deviated from what we're really, really about, from the pure sense of the mission of the church, of what Christianity really is. This is why monasticism developed. People thought that things were getting, in a sense, too cumbersome, too easy, maybe too bureaucratized, and we were losing a pure sense of mission of the church and as individual Christians, the sense of our personal holiness. So the monks went off into the deserts. They went away from these areas to be singularly focused on Christ, 
on their own personal growth and holiness, on their own sinfulness. It was a great act of humility. And monasticism involves an ascetical discipline. One of the reasons we're in this position as we are in the church with these scandals is because we also lost the true sense of liturgy in many ways, but also the sense of self-discipline, of saying no to ourselves, of saying no to the tearing of our passions, and of that sense of purity of heart. We've lost the sense of fasting, of breaking the tyranny of our passions by saying no to ourselves through rigorous fasting. You might remember, maybe all of you are too young to remember, that giving up meat on Fridays was a well-known, very high-profile, very, very well-established tradition in our society. It was in the church. Everybody knew all the restaurants would sell would offer fish on Fridays because they knew that the Catholic population wouldn't dare eat meat on Friday. Many times if people did, they would run to confession and confess that. Now, that was a little bit of this monasticism, this little bit of asceticism. Asceticism means to live by disciplines of fasting and prayer and of overcoming the tyranny of our fallen passions. There was a little piece of that, but it was a piece that many Catholics East and West adhered to very, very faithfully. It was a hallmark of the Catholic faith. Our culture knew about it. It was a very high-profile witness, and it was a great practice because it made us mindful that this day Christ died for us. He suffered for us. He fasted. He practiced asceticism for us, and so we practiced it ourselves in commemoration of that. Plus, it's good for us. If we cannot say no, even for one day, we can't go without meat for one day. If we can't do that, then we cannot overcome the tyranny of our other passions, such as in the area of lust and sexuality and impurity. Another aspect of the Eastern churches, the gifts that can help a church in crisis, is the sense of priesthood. I sometimes think that maybe what God is doing through the crisis that's happening in the church right now is maybe calling us back to these things that I'm mentioning, one of them being a sense of priesthood, a sense of ministry in the church, that maybe we become a little bit over-bureaucratized, a little bit of a big machine with lots of departments of ministry and lots of people with titles and so on. But maybe there's a question that could be asked, what is all this really doing? If you look at the history of the church, who are the people who really renew the church almost single-handedly in different eras? It was people like the monastics. It was your St. Francis's, the St. Catherine of Siena. It was in the East, the great desert monks of Egypt. And it was like the fathers of the church, John Chrysostom, Basil the Great, who also were monks in their own right as well. And why did these people reform the church almost single-handedly? Because they had a strong sense of the mission of the church, of what it was really supposed to be about, about what ministry was really about, or what priesthood was really about. The priest is called father. That means he has to really be a father, which also means if you're a father, you also have to be a spouse. And rather than just be an administrator, just someone who kind of oversees meeting after meeting, Maybe the Lord is calling us in the church to look again at the real charism of priesthood as that spiritual father who is practicing asceticism, who is at the heart of a liturgy that is correctly done with the right orientation, and that he really has a sense of 
priesthood, meaning of offering himself, himself, not just offering the sacrifice of the Eucharist in the East or Western churches, but in the process offering himself, making of himself an oblation on behalf of his people, like a father who would lay down his life for his children. Maybe there needs to be more of a one-on-one kind of ministry in the priesthood with the people. The vulnerability right now, as I see it, is for priests to become even more distant, more afraid, encumbered with more safe environment laws and do's and don'ts because of the scandals. I believe the answer is in doing the opposite, in immersing ourselves ever more deeply in our fatherliness, our priesthood, the fact that we are spouse and father as priests, and to be that for our people in a more intimate way, a more one-on-one way. These are some of the gifts that I believe that are strong in the Eastern churches. They exist in the West as well. They just happen to have a certain prominence or high profile in the East. And so I offer them to you and to the whole church East and West during this time of crisis. Above all, remember, keep your head high. This is a great day for the church, a day for light to shine even brighter in the darkness. Thanks for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit byzantinecatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit byzantinecatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Monsignor Charles Pope. And I always say to my my people, my parishioners, for you I'm your pastor, with you I'm your brother, but from you I'm your son, because they have formed me so beautifully over the years and taught me to trust God and to praise God. And they brought the Holy Spirit alive in me in just ways I could never have imagined, you know, coming out of seminary. I had all the intellectual stuff in the seminary, but my priestly heart has been formed by my people. Morning Glory, Monday through Saturday, 7 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.